0: Um, As Ant mentioned, and and if you uh, are not familiar with what's been going on at Forest Town, we are working through the book of Mark. And we've got to chapter four. We're getting close to the end of chapter four. And a couple of weeks ago, Ant spoke about the parable of the good soil. He spoke about a a sower sowing seed, and there being different kinds of soil that that seed would fall into. And as a consequence of that, certain things would happen, and there'd be different levels of fruitfulness or a lack of fruitfulness. And then last week, Ed spoke about shining our lights and about being a light in darkness, and, and he actually challenged me because he brought teaching aids with, and I don't normally do that, but I brought a teaching aid this morning. I'm just checking that it's still there. I'll get to it. I have a teaching aid this morning. It had a, a a lot of really nice torches. I was quite jealous about the one that looked like a light bulb. Um, Christmas time, Ed, remember me with that one. Um, But he he spoke wonderfully about light, and and today we're moving on to two parables that talk again about seed, but talk about seed specifically in relation to the kingdom of God. And just to set the the background for this, um, if we can begin to read together from the book of Mark, chapter 4, and verses uh, 26 to 34. Um, I think they'll appear behind us. Here we go. It says, he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, and night and day, whether he uh, sleeps or not, or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head, and as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts his sickle to it, because the harvest is come. Again he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. The term the kingdom of God is used 66 times in the New Testament. It's something that Jesus talked about a lot. Um, he, he said, in fact, that this was the reason that he came. If you look in, in uh, Luke chapter 4 and verses 42 to 44, it says, At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and they came to him where he was, and they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns because that is why I was sent. Jesus was sent amongst other things, to die for us and to break the bonds of sin and death. That was what he did for us that has given us eternal life. But his mission on earth before he died was to spread the news of the kingdom of God. Um, I thought about something a while ago which I hadn't really put into these words before, but we, we so celebrate the fact that Jesus died for us. But Jesus also lived for us. For his whole life, we were the center of his thoughts. And in the three years of his ministry, he spent so much time, whether he was feeling refreshed or whether he was feeling tired, his calling was to bring the story, to bring the gospel of the kingdom of God. And it seems an interesting choice of words that he went around talking about the kingdom of God, but we need to put it the context, and this is something I refer to quite often because it puts Jesus' teaching into perspective many times. The perception of this kingdom is not what the people were actually hoping for at that time. They were hoping for a physical restoration of the kingdom of Israel. I've talked about it before. Their perception of a Messiah was someone was coming who would be like a Gideon, who would raise up an army, who would defeat the Romans, who would restore Israel as a kingdom. And at no point does Jesus ever talk about the gospel of the kingdom of Israel or the restoration of Israel as a a geographical place. He talks about the kingdom of God. He talks about this new understanding which he needs to bring, that we can be in a, a kingdom that is not an earthly kingdom. An earthly kingdom, kingdom says what it means. It's the domain of a king. And on earth we define a kingdom as a geographical area. We are are in the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. And it has a geographical boundary. It has a coastline and it has boundary lines. And it says this is where the queen now at this point it's her queendom or her, the, the, it's called a kingdom because that's what we call it. But it's, it's a defined area. What Jesus is coming to talk about is a domain of a king where the domain is determined by the people who have chosen to make this person their king. We are part of the kingdom of God. When Jesus prays, he says, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Right now, I'm part of the kingdom of God. I'm living in the United Kingdom, but I'm part of God's kingdom because I have chosen to make him the king of my life. I've been allowed to do that through what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Because Jesus died on the cross and paid the price of sin, I'm able to be part of the kingdom of God. I'm able to be part of the family of God. I'm able to accept that and say I'm now a citizen of a kingdom. I am a subject of the Lord God Almighty through Jesus Christ. That's the message that was brought, and that's the kingdom that was being spoken about here. A need for an understanding amongst people that Jesus was doing something different and ushering something completely life and time and eternity changing into existence, calling us, whether we're in heaven with him or whether we're down here, to be part of this kingdom. And that's God's purpose in our lives, is to restore the kingdom, to restore us to a relationship with him. You know, we get very involved in what church is about. Church does lots of things. We feed the poor, <clears throat> we, we, we comfort people, we have fellowship with one another, we worship God. But it's all about being back in relationship with God as it was in the beginning to bring that to pass again. And I have another simple thing that I, I remind myself of quite often. If I believe that God really, really, really loves me with a passion and very much wants to be in fellowship with me all the time, if I take that as read... If I take into account that right now down here on this earth I have trials and tribulations and distractions and things which sometimes mean that I'm not in that close relationship with God, this is not the ideal place for me. I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. I'm traveling through. We talk about being pilgrims or ambassadors, but this is not my final home. My final home is to be constantly in the manifest presence of God. That's what God wants for me. That's That's his plan for me. That's what he wants to give me because he loves me, and that's what he deeply desires himself. And yet here I am. Why? Why at that moment when I was nine years old, when I sat next to my father in a gray Austin A40 on the way between the Strand and Somerset West in the Cape Province in South Africa, after hearing an evening service at our church, and I turned to my dad and I said, I want to ask Jesus into my heart, and he said, come on, son, let's pray. Why at that moment wasn't there just... A loud noise and a clap of thunder, and I was transported into the heavenly realms where there is no tears and no sorrow and no sickness. Why didn't that happen? That's what I want, and that's what God wants for me. But here I am. I'm here because there's a job to do. I'm here because there's a reason for me to be here. I'm here because I need to be part of the extension of the kingdom of God. So we need to have that concept in our hearts. I'm here to extend the kingdom of God. I'm here to to fulfill a purpose that is not about my goals. and I'm not here to fulfill my life's career plan. You might think you are. You might you might have sat down as a young person and plotted out your life and said, I'm going to do my, my GCSEs and my A-levels. I'm going to university. I'm going to get qualified as this, and then I'm going to start working. I'm going to get my own practice at this point, then I'm going to do that. That's not why you're here. That might be something that you do while you're here, but if you're a child of God, there's one major reason why you're here, we need to talk about the extension of the kingdom of God. We need more people to know that they can become part of that kingdom so that when the Lord finally says it's time that they're part of that kingdom. And you, I, I think often about the fact that I came to know Christ that night because somebody had preached about him because my parents had witnessed to me. But someone had witnessed to them and someone to them all the way back to 120 people sitting in a room at Pentecost in Israel. And every person that was there had an obligation to go out and spread the news of the kingdom of God. When Jesus sent his disciples out, first the 12 and then the 72, he set them, go and preach the kingdom of God. That's why we're here, to extend that kingdom, to live in it, to be part of it, but to bring others in. And how do we extend it? Well, if we have that concept, then we look at, what this particular parable says it says a man scatters seed he goes out and as much as he can with as much intent because farmers didn't just go and deliberately throw seed down a well or something they threw it on land which was possibly going to be fertile and they scattered the seed and then they have to let the seed do what seed does here's my teaching aid i get too excited It's a wonderful thing, this seed. It's an absolutely amazing creation. Inside this little seed, which is bigger than a mustard seed, is the blueprint for an apple tree. Sean, did you manage to find me an apple tree? There's an apple tree. There's one of those in here. It's been designed, it's been ordained, (laughs) it's been put in there with the potential to become one of those. And if you take that thinking forward, did you manage to find me an orchard? Sean? There's an orchard. There's one of those in there as well. That's quite amazing. One of those is in this little thing which I do promise you is, is real. It's not part of my pocket fluff. In the right circumstances, that will deliver that. And I can't change that. I can't make that happen. I can't have any influence on that, that if it comes to fruition is going to be an apple tree. And it's going to deliver more apples with more seed, and they're going to deliver more apples with more seed, and we're going to have our orchard, and much fruit will come from that. The seed that we scatter is seed which is the Word of God, which comes from God, and it's alive and powerful and able to accomplish things that I can't do. When this guy puts the seed in the ground, he scatters it. He doesn't go to bed that night and lie down to sleep and at midnight he gets up and he goes and he scratches open the little seed and he says, are you okay? Are you sure you're still an apple seed? Okay, I'll cover you up. See you tomorrow morning. He puts it in and he has to leave it. And under the ground Because of what's inside it, it begins to grow, it begins to realize its potential, and out come little roots, and out comes a stalk or a stem that goes up, breaks ground, gets the sunlight, and we can influence the circumstances, but we can't influence. That's never going to grow me bananas, ever. It's an apple seed. It's probably not going to grow me apples either because I've been treating it quite badly. But it has the potential. The man sows the seed, it says, and day and night it goes on to reproduce itself. In the same chapter, in Mark chapter 4 and verse 14, when the parable that Ant looked at, it said, the farmer sows the word when Jesus explained, the seed that I need to sow is God's word, God's reality, God's life in me. The seed that I need to sow is not my opinion of God's word. It's not my interpretation of God's word. It's not my desire for what God's word should be. I've been given seed. I've been given God's word. I've been given. He reveals himself through his word, which is alive, and he says, This is who I am. And I get to take that out and to say to people, This is the word of God. This is the kingdom of God. All I can do is speak that into their lives. I can't make it take root, I can't make it grow, I can't make it fruitful. I just have the job of taking that seed and putting it in the right place at the right time. Now, the farm also, because we know what Ant read to us about the soil, some of the seed that gets sown does not bring fruit. Some gets taken away very quickly. Some brings a little bit of fruit. Some brings a lot of fruit. Those are circumstances that I can't necessarily control. And I don't get to choose, okay, I'm not going to try and sow my seed. Yeah, I've got to try and get the most out of my seed. I want to challenge you. Does this feature in your thinking? Does this feature in your thinking? Do you see yourself as somebody who has seed to sow? Are you working on acquiring, you know, if the Word of God is the seed that we sow, if our understanding of Him, if our knowledge of Him is what we need to share, are you taking the time to get to know Him better? Are you growing in your understanding of His Word and and are you looking and making yourself available for those opportunities to spread that seed? Ed was talking about somebody that got up and spoke about something he had shared in Sunday school. I have this wonderful expectation that many of us when we get to heaven are going to find out that some seed that we sowed without even realizing it has taken root. That some seed that we Thought was wasted, somebody we spoke to, someone we shared with, something that we said, something that we didn't you know. There's an often quoted passage or, or, or a little idiom or little story which is often quoted because it's very true. Francis of Assisi said once that we should all preach the gospel at all times. Sometimes we should use words. When we're spreading the seed of God, when we are sowing the seed, it's not just what we say, it's the lives that we live, it's the way that we worship our God, it's the joy that we have that other people can see that changes our lives. All of those actions and the things that we say, God's word that we share, goes into the ground and has the opportunity of taking root and growing under His guidance. The Bible says one of us plants, another one waters, another one reaps the harvest. There is a harvest there. There's a harvest in this little seed here. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with this after this. I'm probably going to go and stick it in the ground. Don't know what's going to happen after that. I've got a a fairly large horse chestnut in front of my house that started accidentally because of a squirrel planting a conker in my garden. And now it's grown into a substantial tree. I don't know how many incidental seeds you might have sown, but is your heart towards that is the challenge I have for you. Whenever I get a chance to speak, I want to encourage people and I want to challenge people. And we read this and we say, that's wonderful, that's great, the kingdom of God is extending and God is the one that makes it happen and absolutely true, but we have a role to play and it needs to be purposeful in our lives. I want to encourage you to, to, to just think to yourself, what opportunities can I create? Not to preach a sermon, not to necessarily run a mission, not to do anything spectacular, but what chance do I have just to put a little seed in, just to put a little seed into someone's life? having dinner with people last night and one of them were talking about sharing, taking a friend to church and then having the opportunity later when somebody else in their, in their school was speaking to them just to talk about Jesus and just to bring that little seed in. And we never know what's going to happen. What's going to... You know, there's a, another story that I heard that I believe is true about a crusade taking in the American Midwest. And they had their tents and they had their speakers and they had all their things that happened. And somebody went into town that day and found a group of young men on the street corner just hanging around and invited them to come along to the crusade and some of them did arrive that night and that evening after he had preached the person running the crusade whose name I don't recall went back to the place that he was lodging at and he made some notes in his diary and he said it was a disappointing time for him because of after all the effort that they made that night only one person came forward for salvation a young man called Billy Graham don't know if that means anything to you, but Billy Graham has preached probably to more people than any other evangelist up until this point. And somebody had a disappointing evening in his preaching because he only managed to plant a seed in the life of that one young person. What can we do? Well, I believe that... The simple things that we can do to make ourselves effective in saying seed is to get to know the seed, to get to know God's Word. How much have you grown in God's Word in the last 12 months? How much time have you spent, not necessarily formally sitting and having quiet time, but how much time have you spent reading the Bible? I teach in a school, we, we're a Christian school, and we talk about God's Word a lot. And one of the things I've realized is I get a lot of children coming into secondary school from Christian families that know a lot about the Bible and have heard the Bible read to them a lot of the time, but they have very little first-hand knowledge. They haven't read it themselves. Are you reading God's Word? Are you putting that seed into your life that you can sow, that you can spread? Are you doing that consciously or are you doing that unconsciously? Get excited about God's Word. It, you know, there was a time in my life when I'd have my quiet time because I was obliged, and I'd open the Bible, and I'd think, I have to read these verses. And I would read them, and I'd close the Bible, and I'd go to bed. And a lot of it didn't make any difference. I can't live without God's Word. At this stage in my life, I don't want to try and survive without God's Word. It's alive. It changes my life on a daily basis. I find refreshment. I find challenge. I want to encourage you to, to get into God's Word. Do it in Bible studies at home group. Do it just... Anywhere you can, get to know God's Word. Get to know Him. And that's the second thing. Become more intimate with God. Get to know the person that the story is about, that the seed is about. Become more like Him. It's in His nature to reproduce in this way. If we look around us, this little miracle, where did it go? Put it back in my pocket. I'm not going to try again. It's too much hard work. But that little miracle in my pocket is being reproduced in various other forms of life all over this planet of ours. God has put into action this ability for stuff to grow and to reproduce, and, and, and it's supposed to be part of our spiritual nature as well. Don't just sit there with this good news that you've got. Now, there are different reasons why people don't tell other people about Jesus. Sometimes they're afraid. Sometimes they don't think that they know enough, and that's where the second part of this particular set of parables comes in, because it talks it and says this. Again, he said in verse 30, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like the mustard seed, which is a whole lot smaller than my little apple seed, which is here. There are two of them, actually. I knew I wouldn't be able to find them easily, so I had to manage managed to find the one. But it says that it, it, when it's planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that birds can perch in its shade. And with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word... There are two sides to this. There's one side where people can say, well, I'm not ready to go out and sow seed. I'm not ready to evangelize. I'm not ready to tell people about Jesus because I don't know enough. Well, there are two things you can do. One is you can get to know more, but secondly, you can understand this, that even the smallest word of God, even the smallest thing spoken into someone's life can make a massive change. And it's in God's nature that, that he knows what people need to hear. I don't know what you need to hear, the, hear this morning. I'm just speaking out what God has laid in my heart. But I'm willing to, to bet, you're not supposed to bet in church, but I'm willing to, to believe that different people sitting here are hearing different things. That's what God's Word's like. In some person's heart, it might be hitting home as an encouragement. Someone else, it might be challenging you. might be bringing you joy. might be bringing you a sense of, I need to be doing something. Conviction. There's no condemnation, but there's conviction. God's Word is is amazing. That little tiny seed which gets planted and begins to grow into something out of proportion for the effort that we've made in putting it there, for the proportion of what it looks like, God just takes it and He makes something special happen. Now, my understanding is that there are less than 12% of the population of our country even go to church. Less than 12% on any regular basis. I'm not talking about... Christenings, weddings, and funerals. I'm talking about people who choose to go to church. Less than 12%. There are an awful lot of people out there who are not having the seed of God's Word sown into their life on a regular basis. And I've said before, whenever you're watching a, a, a quiz of any kind on the BBC or on the television, have a look what happens when people get to the questions about the Bible. They do dismally. There is a complete lack of knowledge of the joy that is in Christ Jesus in the world that we live in, in the country that we live in. And yet the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus used that term on the kingdom of God. It's here. It's not a journey that someone has to take over miles and miles and go and search for. It's here. It's available. You can step into it this morning. If you're sitting here this morning with us in this this church family and you haven't entered the kingdom of God, if you haven't asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord, if you haven't received the forgiveness for your sins that you can achieve or be given through that sacrifice that he made, if you haven't had a reconciliation with God and you can now call him father and he can call you child. I want to say to you, the kingdom of God is at hand. It is here. It is not something you have to go looking for. It's not something you have to go searching for. Come and talk to one of us. We can, we can introduce you to Jesus. And you can enter into that kingdom and be in this world but not of this world. Living for a different future, living for a different life excitement that is to come and that is now because it's not just when we go to heaven that God's exciting us right now that's the kingdom of God is at hand people need to know it you need to know it here but there are loads and loads and loads of people out there that don't know it and you've got seed that you can sow whichever way I know that there are lots of different kinds of ministries represented you're people who share God's love and God's word in different ways But my challenge to you, my encouragement to you is, it only has to be a tiny little mustard seed. My challenge is, what are you doing about it? I love coming to church on Sunday mornings. I love being with you. I love the fellowship that we have here. I love to be in worship together. It's my great joy to be in worship. I love meeting my friends. I love doing other things that the church does. But this is not what the kingdom of God ends as. This is the beginning. Churches where we come to stir up our seed and to, and to gather some seeds so we can go out. A friend of mine used to be in a church that had over the back door where you walked out of the church. As you were leaving, it had a sign over the door that said, you are now entering a place of worship and ministry. We come here to be restored. We come here to be built up. We come here to be taught. We come here to be fed. We come here to fellowship. But out there, there is so much ground that needs seed sowing on it your place of work, your place of school, your neighbor, the person behind the till that you're getting frustrated with in Sainsbury's. Here's my tough one, the person who cuts you up with the motor car. They need somehow to have a seed of the kingdom of God sown into their lives, which contains that incredible pre-programming of God that can bring around an apple tree and an orchard and a kingdom. And that's very simply what I have to share with you this morning. The kingdom of God is at hand. We have the answer. We have the knowledge. We have the seed to sow. I want to encourage you to be liberal and be generous with the sowing of your seed. Now we're going to take communion together and we're going to share together in thanking the Lord for the blood of Jesus and the body of Jesus which were shed and broken for us. And just maybe as you pray together around that time and as you Lift yourselves to God and offer your thanks. Also ask Him just to open doors for you. Ask Him to open opportunities for you to drop this very fertile seed that we have. This very powerful, tiny little seed which we might be carrying with us into somebody's life this week or in the week ahead. So, Lord Jesus, on on the night before He was crucified, had His disciples together, and He took the bread that was on the table and He broke it and he shared it with those around him. And he said, do this to remember me. And the same way, he took the cup that was there and he shared the wine. And he, he did that for us to remember that his body was broken for us, his blood was shared for us. By his physical suffering, he brought physical restoration to us and healing. By his blood, he paid the price of sin and of death so that we could be free of our sin and in the kingdom of God. And we need to thank him for that as often as we remember it and as often we think about it. So we invite you, if you would like to join us in communion, to come up. You help yourself. There are tables over there and over there. I feel like an air hostess. In the unlikely event that the decompression takes place, oxygen masks will fall from the. No, they won't. The tables over there and there and at the back. Please go with your family, with friends, share, break bread together, share wine together, pray together, and give thanks to our Lord for the incredible gift of Jesus Christ and ask him to help us to share that incredible gift and to take that kingdom out further. Let's do that together now.